There's been a lot going on in the news with stuff that happens on movie sets. I'm referencing the movie Rust that was in production with Alec Baldwin. Obviously, there was an incident where a gun was fired and a cinematographer lost her life, and I believe uh, someone else was harmed, but they were able to live through it. And also, there was a near strike that happened with unions, uh, film crews, between them and the streamers. They, you know, obviously wanted more livable lives and whatnot because working 20 hours a day just doesn't really sound that fun. But I wanted to reach out to someone and get them on the show because they're kind of in the trenches with all this. And even though they're not in the union per se, but um, I reached out to my friend Katie Gelhart. And she's been working on movie sets and, you know, music video shoots and whatnot and doing um, special effects for a couple of years now. And she's been doing actually a lot of practical special effects pretty much since I've known her. She, she's, she's not a CGI person, and she goes over that a lot in this episode, which is fun because I'm not either. So we kind of geek out on, like, our favorite practical effects. But, like I said, I also wanted to hear about it from someone who's going through the trenches and kind of sees and hears things firsthand, and she told me what she could say and obviously was tight-lipped about what she couldn't say, or she just talked about it off mics. But anyway, this is a really nice, insightful, topical episode of The Basement. And before we go to my interview with Katie, I just also wanted to give a big thank you for this month of November. We raised $350 off of um, the t-shirts with my silly little bearded face on it, and they're going to preventcancer.org. So thank you all for donating, or thank you all for buying those shirts. Um, It'll be going on for the rest of November, so a big thank you for that. And uh, if we can raise any more, great. If not, hey, whatever, still for a good cause. Still $350 more to flip the middle finger to cancer, so... Anyway, No Shave November has been a real success. I'll post my beard on Instagram uh, maybe in a couple days or something. But um, on with the show. Welcome to the basement. Katie Galehart, my old friend. Welcome to the basement. (laughs) Hello there. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for saying yes. Uh, You are, I think, guest number four or five that has messaged me like, dude, I caught the podcast. Awesome shit. And I'm like, awesome. Why don't you come on? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing. I I started listening to it and I actually just like, I downloaded a bunch of episodes and was like listening in the car and I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm going to get through all of them didn't get through all of them but i'm getting there <laughs> no it, it's okay like i'm past the point of when people say yeah i listened to it and i'll be like oh did you catch this week's episode and they're like no i'm on like episode 10 man <laughs> sometimes i think there's like this human habit of like i must do them in order because that is the way that the, that it works and i think that that like catches us all even though it doesn't necessarily matter they're not all in order <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I feel you. I have a friend who he has a podcast too. And I, I text him every now and then I'm like, Hey, I caught this episode. Hey, I caught that episode. And I'm, I, I like in the back of my mind, I want to be like, did you hear my show where I interviewed? Um, I don't know, such and such. And he's like, but I never do it. Cause I don't want to deal with the whole, like, nah, man, I, yeah. <laughs> I, cause it's true. Like since I started a podcast, 
I don't listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're like, nope, don't have time for it anymore. Yeah. No. So Katie, you are like a lot of different things since. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, I, I like to like classify it in the like master of all trades thing. I've been like that forever. And so if you ask me my career history, it'll take us probably this entire show to really go through. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm due for like a two and a half hour episode, but we don't have to do that. (laughs) So you and I go back like three or four years ago. Um, I just want to tell the audience our origin story. I mean, you work in the you work in the movie biz right now. Uh, You're like on the ground floor. of it. I don't want to say ground floor. You're in the trenches. I don't know what I should say. Trenches is the correct word. for it. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking trenches. I mean, talk about some things. I know there's been some stuff going on kind of in your field. Oh, um, yes. yeah, there's been some crazy stuff going on in the news, but I'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, you and I both worked at NBC golf channel. You are guest number two. The other one was Chris Jones, uh, who have, I previously worked with there that has been on this show. And I just was thinking about when you said you wanted to do this show. Um, one of the funniest stories, I don't even know if you know this, but, <laughs> but like, you, like anybody else who gets a job in master control, yep, which is where we both worked. We worked in the broadcast operations center. Usually master when you control st- sounds cooler. It really does. Like you're, <laughs> it feels like you're in charge of the whole building, but you're underpaid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it's that like too much power, not enough pay. That's the truth of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I get like, you know, a bump in my wage? No, but we'll give you two jobs at once. Yep. You got to do both. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so I think it was a day when I was, I'm not going to go into detail, like what we did in master control. Cause we were pretty much keeping the network on the air. That's our, that's our job. Uh, you were like kind of new, you were like a month in and I was in the back prepping a tournament to do. And I think you rolled a break and like, it went to black. It wasn't your fault at all. You did nothing wrong. And that's the funniest thing about it. Like management was in the room and shit. And they just were like, what's going on? And you, I was minding my own business because I was like, fuck it. It's got nothing to do with me. (laughs) Which is normal. You looked around at everybody and you were like, I did nothing. (laughs) This is very factual. This is something I would do. I slouched in my chair. I swear I was dying. Just your reaction (laughs) And like, everyone's like, we, what do we do? What do we, we got to do this, do it, fucking punch this up and shit. And you're everybody's panicking. I'm just like, nope, not claiming this mistake. (laughs) I did nothing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm I'm very self-assured in the sense of like, you know, if I fuck up, I'm going to be the one that's like, yeah, okay. That was my bad. Like, I am sorry about that. But yeah, this, this, I remember this moment and I remember you know, turning around and you see mom and dad over your shoulders, all angry, like, yeah. like, like, Oh, what did she do? How did you screw up today? And then, um, I can't remember what happened, but I, I think I asked about it the next day when I went into work and they were just like, Oh yeah, it was just this, like they, they wanted to glaze over it. They didn't want to tell me I wasn't wrong. They just wanted to like, let it slip into the yonder. Yeah. But that's, that's TV. Like that's, that's TV. I, yep. I don't really want to talk about all that much. I just thought <laughs> I'd bring up our little origin story. We worked in the same department, but one of the cool things before we all lost our jobs, <laughs> yep. 
was I don't know. I always felt, and I think me and a few other people in the room felt the same way. Like that everybody just was everybody we worked with predominantly everybody was kind of really creative, just like had something really cool going on outside of work, which in my opinion, most people in TV are like that. Um, and yeah. I don't think I picked your brain enough when we worked <laughs> together. Cause like, honestly, like in my downtime, I'd open up a tab and I'd start writing my screenplays mm. when I wasn't being, you know, questioned who was on the phone when I'd answer it. And I think that, <laughs> but um, you really have a passion for like special effects and whatnot. Yes. And I can't think of the first question I really want to ask you, but just like, what made you want to, I don't know, what made you want to do your thing? Um, so like I said, I've, I've had all sorts of careers where I was just going back and forth, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew it was creative, but again, you know, you go through the list of like, oh, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that, whatever. And so for me, I, I watched so many movies and so much television and wasn't really sure that this was going to be like the general industry that I'd end up in. Um, and then just making different decisions along the way, kind of just like narrowed down exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and I kept going back to this thought of like the first Jurassic Park movie, which is hands down favorite movie of all time. I landmark, I, yeah, landmark movie. Um, and when you look at that in comparison to like the Jurassic worlds now, the thing that's missing is that practical effect thing the the dinosaur's toe like the nail tapping on the ground like that it, it doesn't matter how good your cgi is doesn't matter you are not going to get the same um performance from an actor if you do not have something there for them to touch or react to or just like it, there's something so much more organic in the performance because of there actually being a dinosaur or there actually being something happening um and so with just you know going from like the pinterest crafter like ellie <laughs> to like <laughs> to like, what can I make that's weird? Um, and so, you know, I, it started with like prosthetic makeup. I did that all through college um, because nobody else wanted to do it. So I was like, great, that's a role I can just fill in and figure out. And Where'd so, you go to school? Oh, full fail. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. <laughs> okay, I don't, you. I do, you know, okay. Here's my, here's my two cents take on full sale um, because all of my friends will, you know, they know my opinion, but I haven't ever said it publicly. Um, you do get out. a lot out of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like this part is censored. <laughs> um, I, you learn a lot. You do learn a lot. Yes, it's very expensive. Um, do I think that it's just a giant cash cow? Of course, but you do learn a lot. Um, I, nothing that I learned there I use today, but it helped me get a foot in the door. Um, and there were definitely a lot of grads out here that, you know, I've are very gung-ho and are willing to give you a shot based on that. And so any any opportunity, any chance, any like step above anybody else in Los Angeles, you take it because LA is brutal. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Jurassic Park and being all the all the practical effects in there and all the CGI and the the new ones with Chris Pratt 
Um, yep. The one I think it was in the the first one they did, in like 2015 Jurassic World. I didn't. I mean, it was okay. Like I don't. I'm not. I don't. I got to get away from knocking stuff on this show. But <laughs> <laughs> like, we've had some people on that been like, "Fuck that movie." But <laughs> um, but no, it was all right. But I think yeah, the CGI kind of takes me out of it a, a lot. But one a testament to just good practical effects. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the best shots in that movie is with that dying dinosaur yes. in the field yep. and Chris Pratt's like with it when it, when it's dying. And like, that is just an impactful scene. Yep. And I think it's just a testament to when it's something real and you can feel it, even though you're watching it on the screen, just like how much more it means to the audience. Yep. I don't know. Same, same in the first one, same in the first one. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, Stegosaurus is laying on the ground. Like the fact that they are able to actually play off from something and feel it in their hands makes such a difference and and of course cgi has to be implemented there are certain things that practically cannot be done whether it's safe or whether it's scale i mean a giant dinosaur hopping out of the water kind of not not something you can make practically for for any price um so obviously it needs to be implemented but it needs to be implemented with practicals like where there can be a practical there should be a practical is just the general gist and you know honestly i will say i think it's coming back around i think that right now we are in the peak of practical effects being used in movies and i think that it can only go up from here like it's it's not gonna i don't see it dying out like it would have like i would have suggested maybe like five years ago mm. just you named off jurassic park i know you told me before we started recording your knowledge may not be as extensive but i can i can talk about really shitty movies let's let's yeah, go with that were you fucking kidding me <laughs> d-list movies that is like yeah like uh my rotten rotten tomato score is usually around like four to five <laughs> so i've been like waiting for guests i mean like we've had a few but like i've been waiting for guests to come on and just name the absolute most schlocky things so uh be my guest the floor is yours um, I, you know, it's funny because obviously in Florida, like the movies that you get to work on, if you're in practical effects are like the Zombievers and the Crocodilius and the, you know, Sharknados of the world. Awesome. Great movies, totally underrated, like something, if you want to like laugh and like see something like blood getting thrown around, that's, that's the category to go for. Half naked women, that's the category to go for. Um, I, I love those. Um, but I will say I am also a huge fan of the movie Hot Chick, Hot Chicks or Hot Chick. Um, it's Wait. the one with Rob Schneider yes. uh, and, and, and Rachel McAdams. Like I just, I go back and watch that movie like every other year just to, just to really nail in that it is a fantastic movie. Yeah. I have, I have that category. That's just love him <laughs> he rob schneider had like a really awesome streak from like deuce bigelow to yeah maybe that movie i, I completely forgot rachel mcadams is in it's so good because you go back and you watch it and you like you can picture rachel mcadams now who's like classy and like you think of the notebook and you think of like all these love stories and then you go back and you watch that and you watch her pretend to be rob schneider as this like dirty thief like he's just like he's nasty and you watch her like do these things as him and you're just like yeah yep 
this is why it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> they have like, isn't Adam Sandler as the cameo in that? Is yeah, they always cameo in each other's. Like he... I, I just go ahead. I'm trying to think. Of, no, I'm trying to think of the scene that it's in, but I feel like it's it's obviously towards the end. Um, oh God, now now I know that this is my yearly or every year every other year call to watch the movie again and go find him. <laughs> Isn't it like he's a he's some weed guy and he's like, oh, you can. Put oh yeah, 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 exactly. You can put your weed in there. Yes, it is. You know what? You called it. That is exactly what it was. Yep, right in the beginning. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so fabulous. Such a good movie. Like I just even like the the character like such a random character, but Ling Ling and her mom and her, when her mom shows up. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Spoiler alert. Um, or when her mom shows up in that like lifted car, <laughs> just like it it's like an me. ice cube song she's listening to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the car is just bumping, and she's and she's trying so hard to connect with her daughter, and like the story, like the emotional part is there. But oh, because oh, your daughter's like biracial, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so she she tries so hard to like you know connect with her daughter. Um, oh god even the scene where oh god no there's too many there's just too many good I don't care go (laughs) Um, another one of my favorites is um, and I quote it all the time I quote that shit all the time Uh, when I work it's what I use Um, the scene where Rob Schneider is trying to tell this boyfriend I'm it's me and this body I know I'm Rob Schneider but (laughs) And when, when they kiss and he walks away and he goes, she goes, Brailler. <laughs> like I use that all the time. I say that and, and whoever gets it, I'm just like, yep, we instantly have a connection. We're good friends. Whatever you need, you let me know. Cause you like that movie too. <laughs> I, 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 all right. I think the first time I ever saw it was, I was it probably came out. I was like 15. I feel like I was on a date. And I remember the girl I was with bursted out laughing because I think like they're all like at like a slumber party. I can't believe we're going on a rant for like five minutes about (laughs) this movie. It's so good though. But I think it's like streaming on Hulu right now or Netflix. It's somewhere. I saw it recently. I didn't hit play. But Worth watching if you haven't seen it. Definitely worth watching. Basically, the plot is, uh, what is it? If we didn't say it's Rachel McAdams, some like crazy spell happens and Rachel McAdams and Rob Snyder swap roles and her personalities and Rob Snyder just check it out it's freaky Friday they freaky Friday each other yeah but it's it's less wholesome and dirty and like stupid humor like think white chicks think like that caliber of movie it's it but it's funny it's so good yeah and yeah so they switch bodies and then they spend the entire movie trying to figure out how to switch back bodies because you're taking like prom queen and replacing with like rob schneider's character is like this like low class thief like he's just like he's living on the street stealing shit like yeah i just remember when i was on the date and uh the uh girl i was with bursts out laughing because there's a scene where they're all at a slumber party and (laughs) I think Rob Snyder gets like turned on by something yes. and he gets up. He's like, oh, my first boner. 
exactly <laughs> um yeah so that's all you need to know about hot chicks or not the hot the hot chicks yeah the hot, hot chick. chick yeah yeah ha- that's happy I mean. madison movies like those adam sandler films are like good big budget midnight movies yes like they're grandma's perfect. boy yeah they're perfect and actually fun story i so every day i work with these people who are like i mean they're amazing they've worked on so many things and every day I go to work with them and they'll mention something that they worked on and I my jaw kind of just like drops and I have to like casually pick it back up and act like it's not a big thing um and one of my bosses just informed me that he worked on like nearly all of the Rob or not the um the Adam Sandler movies he did like all of them and I'm like oh this is this is cool I didn't know that you were cool with Adam Sandler this is cool (laughs) My claim to fame with Adam Sandler is I've never met him, but for a week I worked on Grown Ups 2. Nice. As a PA back in like 2012, 2013, whenever they were shooting out in like Cape Cod, Massachusetts. But I did get to meet Salma Hayek and kind of slightly work with her. And she calls everybody baby. <laughs> everybody. I actually had to escort her from the trailer to set. I was like, you know, Miss, I had to call her Miss Hayek. We're, we're ready for you. And okay, hold on one minute, baby. Like, <laughs> just there was like me and three PAs. We're all baby. But um, all right. Anyway, I just I want. That's pretty cool. You like the hot chick. So like, as a special effects artist, like, just tell me about some of the probably craziest practical effects you've maybe put together with whatever you can and can't talk about yeah of course um so I kind of work from a range of um I make things obviously like uh the Hitler head um and so we'll talk about that some more (laughs) (laughs) can't just casually slip that into conversation I mean I can but um yeah so I, I do everything from like um prop maker which is technically would be my category for going into the union because you need to do that and then work on to special effects. Um, But I work primarily now in special effects uh, where like everything that I do prop making is kind of like a side project that I get like a couple of times a year um, versus, you know, obviously special effects is everything from rain, snow, wind, uh, haze, um, explosions, fire, uh, pretty much anything you see move is special effects. And I have done some really cool stuff. Um, I haven't been in Los Angeles for all that amount of time. Um, so like I'm still pretty new to the industry, Mm -hmm. but I, I have worked on some really cool stuff. Um, so one of my big ones that I got to work on, um, was purge the, this last one, the, forever purge which I've now watched like six times they're just like I'm just like here take my money that I earned from you guys um (laughs) um, but I got really lucky and knew the right people and one of my bosses called and got me in on this which was union so they have to like go through this whole process of getting a non-union person on a union show and um and you know the one thing that I've learned about this job out here is you rarely know what you're doing before you do it. Like as at my level, like a, as a tech, which is kind of like the go get it and help move it here and, and things like that uh, kind of job category, the PA of the special effects world, but maybe a little yeah. bit more because you get to handle, you know, fire and things like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, 
I rarely like know what I'm doing when I show up. And so I knew that purge was happening. I had worked in the office actually for a couple of days in the beginning and like pre pre production. And then, you know, this boss calls me, gets me on it. But again, I didn't know what we were doing. And so one night I show up to work and we're on universal backlot which if you haven't been to universal in california highly recommend it go on the studio tour they take you and drive yeah. you around the backlot so cool um and so we get there and i know we're going to be there for like two nights or three nights and they've transformed this otherwise blank new york street into houston texas I think it was Houston or was it Austin, whatever city they go through. I know I've seen it four times. I haven't seen I, the new okay, one. Yet, but... <laughs> so they drive through the city at one point. Um, I was El Paso. I'm going to look it up because otherwise I'm going to be wrong. I know I'm wrong by like, I'm wrong. It's a city in Texas. And so they, they go to this, you know, we go and we show up on set and they've transformed it and there's cars upside down and there's like, like we have all these effects and they show me this, this map and, and we're talking, okay, you're going to be here and you're going to light this fire and then you're going to run to this fire and then you're going to go down the alley and put haze and then you're going to go get this fire. And then once they go through, you're going to go and turn off the fire and then you're going to go to the next station. And so it was just like this huge orchestrated like effects thing for this one shot that they did through the city. And it was by far the coolest thing I've done besides my boss saying don't hit Taylor Swift with the fire hose two two oh, moments yeah. in my life where I was like you know this is cool um and I've had plenty of moments where I go to work and I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing but I'm gonna figure it out and I think that that's kind of where the like master of trades kind of comes in like you have to know a little of everything because at some point you're going to tap on that knowledge even if it's like a Pinterest craft that you learned it from like you will use it. <laughs> yeah. So I, f I remember right after we all left golf channel, that was like your first gig was at Taylor Swift. Thing. And that was like her, it was. that was like a big, that was like her, their first hit off of not our new album. I think she's got a new one out now, but yeah, it was a huge music video. Like she, like it, it got a ton of views is what they, you know, they're like, Oh, this music video got this many views. Um, but yeah, that was a, it was a big song. It was like a pride based song. Like there was so many people in it, like so many big name people. Um, and yeah, it was my first gig, like my first real effects gig being out here. And the funny story is I was working at a film like retail store where you could go and buy like gaff tape and stuff. Um, and so I had like taken a job there because I was like, okay, I, from everybody I've talked to, it's going to take a while before work comes in where I can pay my bills with it. So I just took a job and I had worked day one and trained, and this was my first day not training. And my friend calls me and is like, Hey, like, do you want to do a Taylor Swift music video tomorrow? And I was supposed to work. <laughs> and so I was like... I will take it because you just, you have to take it. Um, and I, why would I ever turn that down? And so I, yeah, I literally turned to my boss and I was like, I quit. <laughs> 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 um, 
and and they were like, but why? Like you were gonna yes. help us. <laughs> they were like you're gonna help us. Like they had this huge plan for me because of course, like I'm one of those people that goes into a job and like no matter how low the job is, I'm going to like try to reach the top of it because I just a, one of those people. And so I was gonna help them with like their German sales because I speak German, and they were just like, oh, we're gonna get you in on this and make you a manager and like travel you around the country. And then the next day, I'm like, I quit. <laughs> Um, and they asked and I was like, I just got a Taylor Swift music video. Like, I can't turn it down. Like, there's just, this is it. Like, this is, this is my break. This is why I came here. Like I, it's, it's, it's a multi-platinum recording artist and I get to work on a set for her. Yeah. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, so yeah, so they sent me my check for like, I think like 70 bucks. Like I was like, last check. Cool. (laughs) Um, but yeah, after Taylor Swift, I worked like so much, like they just, you know, it, it, you introduce to a new group of people every time you go to a new job and then those people call you back and you just, you branch out so quickly that, yeah, it's, if you have the right in and you meet the right people and they like you and want to keep you around, like that's, that's truly the trick to it because yeah, they just, they'll provide the rest of the work and you just show up and give them a good name and it's, great it's a great way of doing it <laughs> yeah when we were all losing our jobs at golf channel i remember when you were like sending feelers out to i just love how we just all lost our jobs there um but <laughs> yeah we all just come in one day because like we had all heard whispers and so we just come in one day and we all just look at each other and we're like is today the day did you get notice is this it, we'd ask like second shift would ask first shift like did you hear anything and then like third shift would hear second shift did you hear anything <laughs> did anything change <laughs> that was a fun uh it wasn't really fun. it was kind of fun actually um because we were all on the same level but those last six months but uh, <laughs> well, it's it's funny yeah you all didn't know and then i was on a beach in uh dominican republic when i found out but yes. fuck <laughs> <laughs> this uh, it was really funny too because I was in the room and they were like, "So how do we tell Tyler?" <laughs> Everybody just kind of was like, "Hmm." <laughs> it was it was Justin. It was because he'll hear this and then he'll. I don't mean to for the audience. I don't mean to riff here, but yeah, I guess he told me he was just like, "Yeah." So I was like, uh, "Did someone call Tyler yet?" Uh, <laughs> but anyway, what I was getting at, um, I remember you were sending feelers out to you know out west and whatnot for gigs. And I remember you told, you put like a little box together with like a fake finger or something. Yep. And like a, a shop got back to you. Did that ever materialize into anything? So, so, so funny. Um, so to explain what this was, it was a, uh, it was a cigar box. And mm-hmm. I had, I had put in there a, my resume, which I inked in blood. Like I did like a fountain pen with fake blood um, and like crumbled it up and made it look like, like it had been like stained with coffee and all sorts of stuff and so and then I did a cover letter that I cut out of magazines that Ellie had left in the drawer next to the front desk there were magazines left in there and I had asked Ellie I'm like can I use these and so I word by word cut out my cover letter to make it look like a serial killer had written a cover letter and then I went so far as because I sent multiple of them I made copies of that and then I taped over each of the words individually to make it look like they were actually taped down onto every single letter. So I made it look like I had done that to every single letter. I I went to a very extreme scale. Yeah. Yeah. So cigar box, cover letter, 
um, resume and then I made a silicone finger and I put blood in the box and then I wrapped it in paper and like wrote it like a, like if a serial killer had sent out a package and I sent them to a bunch of different shops. And so one of them I heard back from, they ended up calling me in and I got to like see everything and they showed me everything. And then there were actually two of the guys that were working at the shop um, who, so, you know, I didn't really get anything out of it, but they were like, if we get something, we'll call you. And so I ended up going more of a rap like path of like talking to other people that are in this street industry versus going through a shop. So you can kind of do both. It's always recommended to work in a shop because you learn all of the gear and you learn how to fix it. And it, there's a lot of valuable part of that. Um, but I went the path of just like start working and figure it out along the way, which is usually what I do best. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the thing <laughs> start is like, somewhere, like start somewhere. It's kind of like the equivalent of like, okay, I didn't really have to go to full sale. I didn't really have to learn everything up front. I could have just gone to work. And so this yeah. was like the equivalent of like, okay, do I really want to go through another education for no money or do I want to like just go work? And it's worked out for me so far. So good. Um, and so, yeah, so I didn't really hear anything out of that, but I ended up working with those two people that I met um, from, from that company. I ended up hiring one of them and then have thrown out the name of the other for multiple jobs and have stayed in touch with them. And they're doing the same thing I am now, um, like trying to like work more into the industry and out of the shop. And so, yeah, like it's, it's, at least I made contacts out of it. Like if anything, everything you do here, you meet some kind of contact out of it and they help on rainy days for sure. Mm. Yep. That's ill. Can't believe I just said ill, but, uh, Ill is, you know, Ill is that's cool. ill. <laughs> Who the fuck says that? Anymore? I say groovy. So, you know, I'm making it come back. I still say dope. Um, I say dope a lot too. Dope's never going away, but ill. Yeah. No, that's not. Yeah. Well, anyway, cool. Um, <laughs> solid transition I have right here. Uh, what just kind of like with any, you know, practical effects and stuff like you've made and you've worked on, even if it's just like something you did in your house uh, to something like on the studio level, like what one are you most proud of? Or what one are you also the least proud? I don't know. Like what? Oh, okay. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Um, okay. So least proud of, I'll get back to you because there's one story in particular that is going to be a long one. Um, but I guess okay. the things that I've been the most proud of, um, a lot of the fabrication jobs, like I, I'm proud of myself for surviving the 20 hour long days that are like flip schedules. And like, I'm proud that I got out here and like, you know, was able to accomplish my goal relatively quickly, but projects I'm proud of. Um, I'm still really proud of the head that I made for that, for that. Um, I did a short film, indie film in Florida while I worked at Golf Channel where they needed the actor's head. They wanted a, a fake silicone head that the bad guy could interact with. And so this is after I had done the Hitler project, which was also a really fun one. I made the whole concept of that one was if a man wakes up and Hitler is growing out of his stomach and turns out Hitler is gay and requires this man to go out and hit on other men and bring those men home for Hitler on the stomach. 
Wow, I didn't know the plot to that at all, but not at all. <laughs> please provide a link to the screener in the show notes of this show. I will. I will. It's it's actually it's actually really good. Um my friend, um, good friend, good coworker, somebody that I, I actually really appreciate, Steven Stahl. Um, I have worked for him so many times. I've done vomit gags to blood gags to diarrhea gags to Hitler on the stomach to Hitler spinning up a, 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 a eaten dick <laughs> to I there were so so many twists and turns in, in my job with him. I most recently made these parasites for him. So I am actually really proud of a lot of the stuff that I did for him. Made that head literally sitting at golf channel in the middle of the night, punching hair, like with a, a singular needle, you take a needle and you push one hair at a time to make a full head of hair. Um, I remember and, you doing weird shit for some reason yes. when I'd have to work the nights and you were there and I didn't make much yep. sense of it. I was like, the fuck is she? Whatever. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, from learning to write with my left hand to, to punching hair into the head of a fake dummy. Yeah. Plenty of weird came out of my time there. Um, I think everybody that like everybody that had the decision of hiring me kind of looked at me and was like, well, she's quirky. <laughs> she's a quirky one. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I've, I have decided at this age, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with it. It's worked for me so far. I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, so, so I'm very proud of that. Um, and I just started this other project that's a passion project of mine. Um, so like before, before, you know, well, actually right after COVID, right in the peak of COVID 2019, um, I had started up this finger business where I was selling finger keychains that you could use to press buttons so that you didn't have to touch surfaces. I remember the ad you did for this. Yes. I'm sorry. I still haven't bought one, but when I saw it, I was like, I really want that. I, and it's funny because like now I go around and I see my friends and I see them all with it on their keychain. And I'm just like, you have my finger on a keychain. Like nobody knows that it was my finger the whole time. And we actually got a comment on the website. It was like, Hey, do you offer women's fingers? And I was like, fuck. It is. It is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have work hands. <laughs> oh God. Um, so I did that. That was great. That did pretty well. Um, and now, now going off from, okay, weird things sell online. Um, I've decided that I'm going to make a chandelier. And I mean that as punny as you can imagine, a chandelier. So yes. a chandelier. And instead of the crystals, it's going to be ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is some uh, Clive Barker Hellraiser shit right there. I feel like somebody on the internet is going to be like, I need 10 of these. <laughs> like, we're going to stick them in every room. <laughs> yeah, there, there might be a S&M market. I don't know, S&M market there's, or something. <laughs> there's some market for it. I'm going to find the shadiest place to sell it, and I'm going to sell it. Um, so I, I'm, my boss that I... I kind of rent a space out of uh his shop um he has been he he told me one point well he actually he told a friend while I was standing next to him I invited her here to clean my shop and instead I got ears <laughs> because there's just ears all over the counter how um, do you how do you like I mean obviously yeah, you mold it I guess this is a question I didn't even really write down but like I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off but uh like to actually make an ear like break down that process for if you okay can yeah so um actually funny story about this one because 
in past times, I would have found a person, I would have casted whatever body part it is in either alginate or silicone, gone through the whole process of making the positive and then making another mold and then making another positive. You go back and forth a couple of times to like perfect it. I would have done it that way. But I didn't want to, in the time of COVID, get a bunch of people over with different ears. And so I was like, I'm going to just sculpt it. And so I sculpted eight ears of different shapes, sizes, ages. Um, and I am incredibly proud how they came out. I hadn't sculpted in like more than a year and I was so prepared for them to come out awful. And I nailed it. I nailed it because everybody that looks at them is like, Oh, who'd you, whose ears did you cast? I'm like, Nope, I made those. I sculpted those because they came out they came out top notch. I'm trying to see if I have a picture so you can see this because they, they came out really, really good. Yeah, you can kind of see them on there. You yes. can just vouch for me. Oh, they, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so they came out really good. Um, and so I've been, I've been just making, so I made solo, I you know sculpted these and then I did silicone poured over the top of them and then you peel off the silicone and then you can keep pouring silicone into that silicone mold. Um, and so I've literally just been one by one pouring these ears and then demolding them and cleaning them and then painting them, trying to figure out how I'm gonna light it, trying to figure out what kind of jewelry I'm gonna put on it. Cause I'm gonna pierce them, like the ones piercings, they're gonna get pierced um, and hang, have hang jewelry hanging and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's, I simplified the process by creating the ear myself. Whereas like working with an actor always adds like more cost and product, more time, and you have the risk of it not coming out well. Whereas like if it's sculpted, like you recast it a million times if you need to. And so, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been working on. Um, that, and then just trying to figure out how to hang it and all of that fun stuff. Um, been collecting ideas for next projects. Um, I've got, I'm going to make a candelabra. So a uh, candelabra with a oh. hand can for candles. Um, <laughs> that, that will be fun. Um, and then a, I want my bosses uh, specifically requested a booby trap. So think bear trap, but boobs. Um, oh, you're going initially. <laughs> So, the you know, like, I, like I slap together. Like, yes. And jiggle. <laughs> I don't know if I should be asking important. questions like that to a woman on my show right now. But this is a this is a normal process for me in my life. Like, this is what my life looks like. And sometimes, like, I'll call my mom and she'll ask me, oh, what are you doing for work? And I'll just be like, oh, you know, talking about the booby trap. And my mom is just like I'm pitching the booby yeah, trap, mom. I don't cool. know if they're going for it, but they're kind of <laughs> on the fence right now. And my mom just eats it up. Like it took her a little bit of time to come around where she, I think was like, is this really going to work out? Is this really going to work out? Is she mm. really going to do this? And then now my mom is one of those people that it's inserted into sentences. This is my daughter, Katie. She works in Hollywood. She does special effects. Like she, she like tagline taglines me. Uh, and it's, I mean, you know, she's proud. I'm happy that she's proud. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, so you come from a supportive background. 
I should, we should I, assume. Yeah, my, my mom is a is a very supportive person. I one of the one of the better people that I, I would say is on this world is my mom. She is supportive of literally any person and every person she can be supportive of. She's the type that makes bread and, and supplies the entire neighborhood with baked bread I, and like yeah. I think She's, I remember you bringing in baked goods one time. Yes. If if, if <laughs> from her goods uh, and soap. Like that's my mom will provide you with tons of it that and produce she does produce too <laughs> so you would say a lot of your craftiness even though hers is food you kind of get that from her it's it's yeah yeah i would say i would say i definitely do more crafts than she does yeah. uh but she was a kindergarten teacher so like there's a certain amount of craftiness that you need to have um, and she was, she was very master of all trades, had lots of careers. And so I always looked up to her and thought, okay, well, if I don't like it, I can change it. Like I can choose to do something different, which is not necessarily the most, you know, accepted thing you tell a child. A lot of times it's like, oh, you're in high school now. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Pick and don't change your uh, mind. And it never works out. <laughs> I know. I hated that question. Like, yeah. I probably switched ideas of what I wanted to do post high school three or four times while I was yep. in high school. I'm pretty sure my junior year, I, I, I was working on a farm and I was like, I'm going to be a farmer. <laughs> and maybe I, I could, that life. <laughs> maybe I could still pull it off. But like we went as far, my, my dad and I went as far as to go out to this college in Rhode Island that like teaches agriculture and stuff. And I remember like being like, nah, I don't want to nope, do this me. anymore. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to school for it. I'll just work on a farm. Um, but no, that, that's cool that you come from a supportive background. Cause like artistic people, you never know, yeah. you know, you never know where they, I mean, I come from a supportive background. You know, my father worked in advertising and he wrote commercials for a while. And he only did it for like a niche part of his life. But I feel like I took that kind of creativeness and I put it into what I'm trying to accomplish and I think I got my love for the movies from just sitting down and watching movies with my mom. And yes. we can we can sit down and watch like a fucking Lawrence of Arabia for three and a half hours and then just in silence and stop. And then we look at each other and go, hmm, what did you think? And we just break <laughs> it down. But that's great. Yeah, I <clears throat> I had, you know, parents that would take me to go see movies like that was for sure. Like we went and saw movies. But I think my my movie love came from Blockbuster. Then, oh yes, here's a reoccurring theme <laughs> on the show, the video yes. stores days. Blockbuster, I it was really funny. I was in Kentucky like a couple of weeks ago, I guess a couple of months ago now. Geez, time flies. Um, and uh I was in Kentucky with a friend of mine, one of my best friends, and there was a blockbuster sign. And I oh, yeah, and, and I was like, wait a minute, there's only one left, but are they sure? And so I stopped and I turned around, like I did a U-turn and then another U-turn to get back around. And then I drove around this entire block looking for it. And it turns out that they left the sign up and my oh. dreams were crushed in that moment. And so if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to reopen Blockbuster because I feel like there's enough like nostalgia there that people would actually go to Blockbuster again. Like I think that they would skip the convenience part for like the fadness of it. I mean, people argue, oh, I feel like I rehashed this, but I love talking about it. But people argue that going to a video store is the equivalent of sitting on your couch and picking what to stream, which I can kind of see, but there was just something about 
holding it in your hand. Yes. And just like getting to, it was a communal experience that you experienced. And oddly enough, you're on the West coast. Why don't you take a drive up to, I think Washington or Oregon? Cause isn't the last blockbuster up there? It is. Yeah. But I, I, from what I've heard, it's actually been closed since it made like all of that news. No. Um, Yeah. And so I haven't confirmed that, which is kind of the reason why I I haven't looked it up. It's like, it's like the Schroeder's cat in in your head. Like, is it alive? Is it dead? I don't want to know. So I'm just going to assume it's alive. Um, but if it is open, I will be making that trip. Um, I hope they don't keep a record of the movies that I had when they closed because I would definitely have to pay some stuff back. I I had some late fees on my account. Me too. Yeah, I think we all did. Um, But what I'll say is, yes, you can sit at home and you can anywhere in the world pull up whatever you want to watch. Like, it's great. It's convenient, whatever. But you can also buy eBooks and you can do that, but a library still exists. And I yeah. think that there's something in the same way that practical versus CGI, there is something different about holding it in your hand versus having it digitally. And I think if I could see something happening in the next, you know, hundred years, like we're going to get to the point where we have so much data that it's just like, what do you do with all the data? And then it means nothing because it's just, it can be all just gone. And I think that in the same way that like film cameras are starting to make a comeback now people want that polaroid in their hand versus like the polaroid filter um i just the stuff that's physical that actually exists in the world um i don't think it'll ever fully go away it may become more niche it may become you know whatever but then again think of niche like rocky horror was niche at one point and now like literally every town has a festival for showing it where everybody dresses up like people go to the extent of making these elaborate costumes to go to this and nerd out with other people that love rocky horror and so it comes back around it comes in waves but i just digital is maybe not forever and the same with vinyl records like there's something different about having it like you have to physically touch it in order for it to be real yeah the topic of you just mentioned data and I'm thinking of an article I read uh, like, a, I think it was when Mark Zuckerberg announced meta and mm. just, this is my personal opinion. I just, something was just kind of creepy about it to me, but um, I, I just remember I read an article that a lot of people you might start seeing in the next five years, start to delete their Facebook and start to want to yep. take their photos offline. So they have it now because they don't, want to be a part of that whole thing anymore and i'm not saying i mean look i have a i keep in touch with family and friends on facebook because i live away from them and you know i talk my shit sometimes and you know i have a podcast to plug now and you know god forbid you know i mean i I have a kid on the way and you know who knows what's going to happen in my career um but yeah i really can see myself in the next couple years hopping offline I, i i just I don't know. I'm starting to kind of feel the fact that the weight of billionaires being in charge of my shit now. Yep. And I don't know, maybe I am going to be a farmer somewhere in the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. You know, it's, that's my long-term goal too. I'm going to start a, a lost and, and uh, debilitated animal zoo. Like I'm Isn't just going to be a yak have- farm. 
Yeah, exactly. So like I, I went off the yak farm idea, which was brilliant idea. I wish I had really gone through with it. <laughs> it was great. Like I was going to, I had a five year plan and then a 10 year plan. I knew how to buy more yaks and how to. <laughs> it was like a coin flip for you. You were like LA or yak farm. And then I was, I remember being like, do the yak farm, Katie. <laughs> Hollywood's going to be there. You can go there in 10 you can years. Go back, yeah. But do the yak farm first. Like get that, get that listed on your resume first. <laughs> um, so I, I went with yak farm and decided that maybe zoo is a better option for me because yaks are great, but what's better than yaks? More varieties of animals. <laughs> of course. They're just all going to be rescued animals. So everybody's going to be a little, you know, a little, you know, misshapen or a little, you know, left alone and abandoned. And it's going to be the abandoned zoo. Like, that's just going to be my life. <laughs> um, all right. That was a good little tangent. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I kind of like it when I don't have a solid transition, but I, I wanted to just whatever works for you with what you want to say. But I know, like, because you're in the trenches out there making movies and stuff. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff in the news with strikes and whatnot. And I know by the time this airs, which will be very shortly after we record this, um, I mean, a lot of the deals between unions and whatnot and IATSE has kind of been, I don't want to say settled. I don't know. I don't even know where we stand, but just like kind of want to hear from someone out there in the trenches. Like, how do you feel yeah. about all that going on? Um, so full disclosure, not in the union yet, um, have oh, my that's days. Right. Sorry. I'm, yeah, no, no, no. It's okay. I, I just, I, I want to preface this with, with, I am a third party participant in the sense of like, I listen to all of my friends who are union and I have, you know, that perspective of just what I've heard and like hearing other people's stories and whatever. Um, but I, I do have my union days. I want to join the union. So if any union members are listening, please put in a good word for me. This would be great. I'd like to join and pay my dues. Um, and so, um, I, yeah, so I, you know, it's, it was a very popular opinion, uh, that they voted. Yes. Um, they did vote. Yes. We voted yes in the ratification as of Monday. Um, and it was a very tight call. It was like 51% to 49%, uh, which is pretty split. Um, when we had just gotten like a 98%, 98 um, vote yes on the strike authorization. Um, and so I, I think there was a lot of mixed messaging. I think there was a lot, I, I think there's a lot they could have done more, um, as somebody who has worked a couple of jobs this year since being back from COVID, um, I, I had the impression that I was going to come back and things would have changed. Like they weren't going to press us as hard. We weren't going to be working as many hours. Like they would make certain exceptions to do it safe. And I think that the general thing has been now um, continue pushing people because we need content and because they need money after the last year. Mm. And I think that um, it's kind of become a runaway horse. Um, I had one job in 2019, 20, yeah, 2019 prior to COVID um, that one day on one job that was bad, that I was like exhausted and I was like, this wasn't safe, like there were problems. And um, now I would say at least 80% of the work that I've done since being back 
is that kind of job. Um, and it's, it's bad because, you know, you have incidences like, you know, what happened with Rust, um, yeah. uh, with Helena um, and Pete, like it's, it's, um, it's definitely one of those things that um, you, you start to think back onto like every job you've ever had. And you're like, wow, I could see how things like this happen based on, you know, on things that I've experienced. And one incidents for me was um, not to mention any names from anybody, because again, we all did the best we could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had one job recently where I didn't sleep a whole lot for a couple of days and had about an hour and a half drive home in the morning after being overnight, mm-hmm. which can be hard when you're working 18 hour days. So 18 hour days, hour and a half drive each way, working until, you know, eight, nine, 10 in the morning, um, especially doing effects where you are physically active all night and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and so, um, and this is coming from somebody who's on overnights, like overnights are not the problem. It's the switching of the schedules. It's the amount of labor that you're actually required to do in that amount of time. And so I, I remember driving home two of the three nights. And then the third night I was like, I can't drive. Like, I'm not going to make the risk. Um, but I remember literally slapping myself as I drive, like hand on the wheel, slapping myself in the face, like cold air is not helping. Loud music's not helping. Talking on the phone's not helping. Um, and then on the last night, the night that I chose not to drive home, I was literally walking and I don't remember starting to walk, but I remember ending up someplace. And I think I might've fallen asleep or like dozed off during that time. And so, yeah, there were a lot of like exhaustion moments where I was like, this isn't normal. Like this shouldn't be this way. I can see how people are getting hurt because of this. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that the group of people that I surround myself with out here are very vocal about it and are very in support of unions and in support of, you know, people getting safe turnaround times and proper accommodations and wages to support inflation and, you know, all of these things that we've been asking for. And so I, I feel very lucky that I'm surrounded with people that inspire me to be better myself. Um, and it's uh, like, it's worth more than I can really even explain in words. Um, and I've been lucky that a lot of them have put their foot down about unsafe conditions Um, and so I've learned that you do have a certain power in your voice. You can say, no, you can say, this isn't safe. Let's try it a different way. And so, yeah, I, I, it's a tricky situation. The memo, like the deal has been made, like there's not much we can do now other than just keep talking about it and keep reporting things that are unsafe and not being afraid that it's going to like impact your career. Like you kind of at a certain point have to say, okay, like even if my career is impacted, like, is it better to do that or to risk myself or somebody else getting injured or dying? Like it's, it's just not, not worth it. There you have it. That was, sorry, that was a really deep rant, but like there was, there's a lot to be said about it. And I no, have no, they, no first I've, person knowledge of anything. So I, I don't comment on a lot, but I, I just know what I've heard. <laughs> no, that was, that was awesome. I wasn't being sarcastic at all. That was, there you have it. That was, <laughs> no, it's just like, I have a, 
I have a guy, I don't know. He's very high up on productions with like Netflix and HBO. He's an East coast guy. He's New York Mm. and Boston's kind of starting to pick back up again. A lot of streamers are coming through there now. And he's hit me up here and there. Like, Hey, what are you thinking about coming back on set? I mean, it's, I haven't worked on a movie set in like nine years, but never really changes. No, I don't think, but (laughs) but we were talking a lot and like, you know, during the whole IATSE's, you know, impending strike maybe and whatnot. And I was just, I finally said, I'm like, I'm going to let this thing blow over before I ever make a decision like that. I mean, I would be starting like ground floor again and working my way up and whatnot, even though I wouldn't be union. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, you know, I hadn't fully told everybody that I'm about to be a dad, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to go work 20 hours a day yeah. with a baby at home. Yep. Like I, I'm going to at yep. least put that on the back burner for a while. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just, I, I listened on the, I listened to a podcast It's called um, script notes. It's with mm-hmm. the guy who uh, is the showrunner on the, he did um, Chernobyl and the upcoming uh, last of us. Ah, nice. And uh, the other guy's John August. He's a screenwriter. He wrote a bunch of big stuff, works for Disney every now and then. But anyway, they were talking about this while this was all going on. And I remember hearing the concept of fratter days. Yes. And for anybody who doesn't know it, uh, if you want to explain it, go ahead. You're, you... Fratter day is when you start work on a Friday evening and you work until Saturday morning. So your Saturday is just totally totally messed up and and anybody that's worked like overnights anybody that's like you know the pain because a lot of times you work that friday into saturday the fratter day yeah and like most people are back to work at 4 a.m on monday so yep. it's like you sleep all day saturday then you have sunday and you know if you have a family you have yep. eight hours of time with them basically because you're so exhausted it's, it's yeah yep I, and you have to flip your schedule around and th- the flipping is really what's not good because I, I mean, at golf channel, when you first start, they give you the option to start on overnights. That's like your option is you're on overnights and don't get me wrong. You I love overnights. <laughs> there was no option. <laughs> that was the option. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that, or we give the job to someone else. <laughs> yeah. um, and I loved overnights. I was fine staying on overnights. They had a daytime position and I was like, nope, I'm good on overnights. I love Ellie. I love Foster. Even though Foster took a while to like turn around to me, like it, it took me turning around like in the middle of the night and being like, so what you reading? <laughs> what, what are you reading right now? <laughs> and he, he tells me the story now and he's like, he's like, I used to just try to ignore you. <laughs> I was like, yep, that sounds about right. One of those, like, I'm going to poke you until you start opening it up and become my friend. <laughs> I know he listens to this show, so he might be the third guest from Golf Channel. I don't know. I don't think he's, li- I, oh, I don't, I think he's like you Foster on. listen to like a few episodes. Like, I don't know if he listens religiously, but I, I know he's aware of it. <laughs> he might be my third, maybe there's someone else, but my third gol- ex-Golf Channel fiery, even though no, he oh, hung boy. around for a while. Because me and him have some great stories. <laughs> me and him have heated debates on movies. Like, gotcha. I remember, like, I was just like, I loved Predator Two, and he was like, Predator Two fucking sucks, Tyler. <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Foster, you can go fuck yourself. All right. <laughs> um, he literally gave me a flash drive with movies that says shitty movies because he knows how how I like shitty movies, and so he literally gave me a flash drive with just a bunch of shitty movies on it. Yeah. I'm like, yep. 
I'm like, I will eventually get through that. I still haven't, but I'm getting there. <laughs> I think he nah, did. He give me a, he gave me a flash drive with something. I think it was a couple Studio Ghibli movies, but yeah. um, one of them was Spirited Away because I really wanted to watch it. I don't know if you've ever. <laughs> I have not. Okay, then I'm not going to go into that story. But <laughs> I'll save that for another episode. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Katie, my friend, it is nice to see you. It is nice, nice to, to hear you. from you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on this show. Um, I don't know if you want to answer this. If you want to turn it down, fine. But usually I ask, where the hell can people find you on the internet? Yeah, um, I guess Instagram has got, if you want references of the pictures, um, yes. KAGEFX, K-A-G-E-F-X. Uh, you'll find it right away. It's got a bunch of scary pictures on it. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on the show. And you. You, you guys know the uh, routine. Leave a rating review uh, for this podcast so it doesn't go into the abyss of uh, all the billions of podcasts out there. And some of those podcasts don't even have 40 plus episodes like I do right now. Some of them have three or four. So uh, go fuck yourself. Anyway, have a nice uh, week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>